Ooh, deep breaths, folks. Once again, we have returned. It is the Uticast episode 114. And this week, uh, we bring in GFOP from Maiden Utica and Mad Props, Zach Wilson, to come talk to us about uh, a variety of things, including screen printing, uh, Maiden Utica, and all sorts of stuff coming up for the downtown get down. Uh, plus, folks, we are going to be talking about uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Uh, we're going to talk about my gripe with Game of Thrones, my gripe with the VMAs. Um, we're going to talk, sadly, about uh, Hurricane Harvey. We're also going to talk about some history lessons. Uh, we're going to talk about bionic arms. We're going to talk about a bad and good week for water. Uh, and we're going to have one either or question. All that, folks, and much more on this week. The Uticast. We're happy to have you, folks. Episode 114, a particularly lazy Monday here at the Feels studio. like a very lazy Monday. Yeah. Mm, I'm feeling lazy today. I'm I'll tell you that for much. I went out and got some laundry done. It was all right. I saw that. I have a lot of, my favorite thing about the laundromat that I need at the house is a table where I can fold while standing up. It's my favorite yes. thing about going to the laundromat. They got those big giant tables mm-hmm. you can put all your clothes on and just stand up and fold. I see. Very efficient. Uh, Kevin, welcome back once again. I'm here. Nice, nice to see you. Uh, Heather, how are you? Good. Uh, how was your Monday? How was your weekend? Good. I went climbing, of course. And What a surprise. I know. I was out in the <laughs> woods all day yesterday. It was fun. I'm glad there's one thing about you, Heather. It's that you're never predictable. I'll tell you <laughs> that. Like, I never have any idea what you've been up to all weekend. It's <laughs> a good point. It's an, I'm in the woods somewhere every weekend. <laughs> what do you do in the wintertime when it Ski. starts? You go skiing. Yeah, we ski all winter. They don't every... stop. Can you <laughs> snowboard? You go, no, I am. Um, no, I um Ski. You prefer to ski yeah, over I like, snowboard. Yeah, Hot I take. do. I've never. Do you look down on snowboarders? No. Mm-mm. No. No, I friends. It's too bad. I was snowboard. something like some eighties like comedy movie where there's a rivalry on the mountain <laughs> no. resort. No, snow snowboarders are no. Hmm. Nope. Well, it was an exciting weekend. A uh, lot of stuff going on this weekend. A uh, couple things I want to get to uh, real quick off top. One, did you guys know? that last night was the MTV Video Music Awards, because I forgot that it was until I, someone brought it up to me. I didn't know it last night, but then I, I think I became aware of it today. I came aware of it this morning, because someone said something about Jared Leto. I think I saw something somewhere on Twitter, like <laughs> some promoted account retweeted some other account, and it vaguely <laughs> mentioned it, and I'm just like, well... I, had no, I, used to, I feel like I used to know when they were coming on. Like I used well, They used to be cool. Yeah, well, I, most of the reading I've read today seems to be that was the case. Like, the VMAs used to be sort of an exciting yeah. show or yeah, cool thing. Yeah, I couldn't wait. Like, I clear out my night for it. And the big knock from last night was that apparently it was very boring. That seems to be the one takeaway people have from the VMAs. I feel, you know what, I'm going to have a, I'm going to say this. I feel bad for Katy Perry. I feel like she gets a bad rap. I feel like she's in a rough place right now. She's getting crushed by the Tyler Swift in their feud. Um Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Swift. Okay. She's getting killed by Taylor Swift in her feud, even though both of them released very poor songs this year. <laughs> well, you've got, so you've got the hottest takes on the state of modern pop music. I do. He's honest. I do. But I sort of feel bad for her. Like, I feel, 
there's a good joke about Katy Perry that like apparently when she was hosting last night, she was like an uncool mom. Well, she hosted. She hosted the show last okay. night. Now, apparently she was. I thought like, you just really had feelings. <laughs> no, I know, like, I she was the host. I thought there was like, no context. I know, like, I speaking of like, VMAs, where did this come from? I had yeah, no, no she was the host. So much care. And apparently she tried really. She was real tryhardy all she's night. She's been having a tough year. Like yeah. even you know she's, broadly following pop culture, she's been taking a lot of L's this year. For her hair, everything. Mm, I like yeah, the hair. Yeah, 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 it looks all right. I think it looks all right. I, but when you're in that game, it looks a little also ran when like somebody else was doing that same haircut the year before. It seems like you're trend chasing. Which is, you, you always want to be out in front. You want to be making the trends. If you're chasing the trends, you're not doing anything. I mean, Kim and Kanye won their feud with Taylor Swift. I feel like the blueprint is there, and Katie just screw up. All right, that's all my takes on okay, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Well, geez, thank you. Does I'm that not, count for the history I'm, lesson? Yeah, the history. No. <laughs> all right, when I do say VMAs, like, the first thing I do think of, though, I want to say this, was Britney Spears in the Big Python. That's, like, the first thing oh. I think of, like, performing with the snake over her shoulder. Yeah. Right? The year before that was when she yanked the suit off and was wearing that... Of uh, the skin-colored suit, the skin, yes. The skin-colored suit. Man, Britney Spears was a huge pop star. It's crazy to think... She still is, I suppose. There's... The the lack of the VMAs being exciting, you know, when Britney Spears' time, there was more of a monoculture. I say it all the time, but there's no one uniting youth culture for people now. Everything's so compartmentalized that nobody's all listening to the very same song. Some songs transcend... Everyone was listening to her then. Everybody. Remember who you were, you were looking for... Everybody was getting their music from all the same places. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Apparently Kendrick Lamar won like six awards last night because he continues to be a genius. True. So, uh, also, uh, I want to talk about something. Uh, I love the show Twin Peaks. I've talked about this many times on the show before. I watched it on Showtime last night. It was an amazing hour of television. Now, uh, a little pull behind the curtain. I like to read the reviews for the shows I watch, right? So, on... On Sunday, I watched Twin Peaks, and then on Monday, there's a lot of places that do, like, reviews of Twin Peaks. What did you think this week's episode? Some theories about what's going on. And this week, all of my Twin Peaks stuff got co-opted by Game of Thrones stuff. And I want to make a stand here about this Game of Thrones stuff. Like, I I know, and we've talked about it, Kev, I know that sometime in the future, I will probably sit down and watch all of the Game of Thrones things. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm getting real tired of seeing Game of Thrones coverage in the media. It's all over the place. I think there's some overkill. True or false, too much overkill on the Game of Thrones coverage in the media. Uh, I mean, it's the truest thing I've ever heard. Here's, <laughs> here's the thing. Do you know what I found out about Game of Thrones just a week or two ago? I found out that just now they have dragons on the show. Now, as somebody who doesn't watch it but is always under the impression of, you know, you can always see sure. all the influence... You mean to tell me you've been going six seasons without dragons? Like, they're calling, they have a character called the Mother of Dragons that I've heard about, and there haven't been any dragons. They I don't understand what everybody's watching. Last I, I, I'm on season six right now. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm opposite of the both of you, so no, I've been watching it. Look, I, I feel like I'm... But it, no, go, no, go ahead. No, nah, it's, it's good, but there is a lot of too much... I think my whole reference to Game of Thrones is just the weird cultural memes that come from it. Like, I hear people say, like, winter is coming a lot, and people saying to hold the door and bend the knee, okay, and things like that. Like, I don't... There's all sorts of stuff <laughs> that people reference that I feel like I'm not in on. Maybe I'm just angry about no, it. No, I'm not even in on those. Someone said that to me, like, I don't... Hmm. I want to click at first. All right. But that's my thing. I thought the, the hour of television I watched last night with Twin Peaks, the David Lynch-directed episode of Twin Peaks, was 25 years in the making for me as a super fan. It was an emotional hour of television. And it got zero coverage because Game of Thrones, dragons and like Vikings and whatever, and all that kind of crap. Uh, all right, and I do want to quickly talk about the big cultural event of the weekend: the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather uh, 
boxing match, I guess you could call it. That's what it was. It was sort of like a, sort of a mess, I feel like, a little bit. Uh, Heather, I'm going to start with you because I was with Kevin when we watched this fight. So, well, did you, I don't think you had any, did you have any interest in this fight even though it was... Um, No, actually, I did not have any interest in until Zach showed me a video of them, like, going at each other before. Mm. And I was like, this is interesting. I can't believe I haven't followed on this. And then I went to bed early that night, so I didn't watch it. But, um, but no, I, it... No. You know, it's, I'm just curious because uh, everywhere I went for a couple of days beforehand, everyone was talking about this. Yeah, it was all over Facebook, everything. Uh, we went to a birthday party. Shout out to our buddy Matt Vanderwood. It's his 30th birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Uh, and we watched the fight there. And it was weird. It's always weird to watch a, like a, an event like this with a lot of people. There's a lot of people there watching the fight. Um, I'll say this, I like boxing, I like Floyd Mayweather, I thought it was just fine. Kev, what were your thoughts about this fight? Did you enjoy the fight? Did you like watching it at all? Yeah, I thought it was great. It was great, yeah. Mm -hmm. What'd you think of Connor? I think he looked good. It's a shame that he just can't, like, uh, I wish he'd been boxing longer. I like I like him as a boxer. He seems like he seems like more of a boxer than a mixed martial artist to me. Uh, you should there. watch him do some more mixed martial arts also, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, he's... He's Irish. All of his I saw a soft spot in my heart for that. He went out there. He looked good enough. Um, I'm like I don't. I, I want. I watch fighting for spectacle, mm -hmm. and there was spectacle out there. You know what I mean? Like it was a it was a good time to watch, and I thought he did a good job. Um, I was surprised. I think he did better than people expected him to in the beginning. Yeah. But did you think there was a chance he would win? Yes. No. Oh, okay. There's always there's curious. a chance. I can't. I I would never be able to unequivocally say a hundred percent that you don't catch somebody one time the right way. The chance is very low, but like I also didn't think there was a chance that Donald Trump was going to win the presidency. Okay, so enough. we fair obviously enough. live in the darkest timeline. <laughs> so anything can anything happen. happen Especially don't don't bet all your chickens against a wild orange-haired maniac. <laughs> is pretty much what we've learned. I feel like um, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> I feel like all right. There's a lot. Of, there's a couple of things. A couple of points I want to make about this. A lot of people are saying like, "Oh, Connor looked better than than we thought he would look." Yes, very true. I liked his interesting, awkward, sort of weird style he chose to go well, with. Orthodox. It was interesting. I liked it. Um, that was all well and good. I also thought, as a guy who loves boxing, I thought that Floyd looked worse than any other time I've ever seen him as a boxing fan. Like, he really looked like he was not trying. And I, I'm not trying to crap on McGregor. I'm not trying to... My thought is, that, is this. Both these dudes met somewhere beforehand and said, hey, listen... You seem like a fine guy. We're both making lots of money. Let's try not to end this with, like, hurting each other. That's part of the, my thought about this whole fight. Like, they knew it was a spectacle. And that's why the fight sort of went as long as it did. That's what and, I've heard. And Floyd didn't really do anything for a couple rounds. And McGregor got his action in. He looked pretty good. And then the fight sort of ended quickly. Um, although I've seen a lot of people saying it should have went longer. I don't really want to see someone get punched in the face a couple times without defending themselves. Like, it's fine. I'm glad they ended it where they ended it. Um, yeah, it was fine. I thought it was interesting that we stopped at a fast track on the way home and everyone at the fast track was talking about the fight. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, to see people just in nature all sort of talking about this singular moment that was happening. Well, it's kind of mm -hmm. nice to hear, even though I wasn't into it, but seeing something else other than all the politics that have been going on. Like, sure. something else just to hear about for just a little bit, even... Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's talk about something that's not funny at all. Uh, our thoughts and best wishes for safety of all the people affected 
by uh, Hurricane Harvey that's going on right now uh, in Texas, particularly in Houston. Have you seen any of the images and stuff they've been mm-hmm. showing out there? It's really There's horrible. one that was sad with the nursing home. Did you yeah, guys see that? that? Was bad. But did they, I don't, they never elaborate on it, but did the people just get left there and the employees left? I mean, the people were sitting in their wheelchairs. The employees were there too, yeah. They, I just didn't see There's nowhere any... else to put them. They yeah. evacuated them eventually. But... Yeah, but they just left all the... But they did get rescued, all of them, so that was cool. Uh, That's what I read. So. Eventually, yeah, they pulled. So, But it was pretty, pretty sad to see that. At the moment, more than three feet of rain has fallen in some areas, and the part that's people sometimes aren't paying attention to is this is going to continue to get worse. More feet is expected up until Friday, September 1st. This is going to continue. Um, there was a tweet from the uh, National Weather Service that's kind of uh, just, I don't know, it's weird to say a tweet is kind of haunting, but it just said, this event is unprecedented and all impacts are unknown and beyond anything experienced, uh, period. That's a, that's a, that's, yeah. that's a horrifying tweet. I don't know. Like, I don't no, know. I don't even know how to take that. Um, it's really. Scary. I've I've been around one hurricane when Hurricane Sandy hit in Brooklyn, and I wasn't really close to the coastline. And all I remember was like where I was, nothing really happened. But that city was devastated. New York City was not ready for a hurricane. Like it was not prepared for it, and it took a few days to dig out for most of the city. Um, but this is considerably worse. Like from what everything I've read about this, Houston was not at all prepared for this kind of. No, they couldn't possibly have been prepared for it. it really is uh, haunting and very, very. Especially because it went down to like a category one. So I think people heard that when it went down. I don't think they expected it to get mm. as bad as it did. Yeah, it's but what it they did. Weren't, they weren't expecting because uh, it's the the Gulf is normally not as is not supposed to be as warm as it is. Yeah. Mm. But for. Whatever mysterious reason, um, the water's extra warm and warm than usual. And so that sort of, it charged it up and there was so much storm surge that you just, it, it truly, things like this remind you that, you know, when it comes down to it with Mother Nature, there's truly not anything that we can do as advanced as we are as a species. There's nothing we can do no. in the face of, you know, nature like this. They're predicting anywhere between 50 to 65 inches of rain will fall uh, by the end of this week. Now, mind you, 50 inches of rain is more than a lot of cities in Texas see during a year, right? Like an average year, to give you some context of it. I saw one picture. It was horrifying. It was uh, like a sign, a street sign. I'm looking at it right now. It's a street sign, like above the, like a, a full light sign that's covered all the way up with water, to give you some context. Really horrifying stuff. Um... And one of the things that I think gets forgotten about this, uh, there's a lot of really good places that if you want to, if you have a little extra money, I know that's a weird statement to say in today's in today's world. If you have any extra money you want to give away to people? Um, if you want to uh, to donate, you know, American Red Cross, obviously. There's a nonprofit uh, in Houston called All Hands that I was reading about that's doing a lot of stuff on the ground. And there is a crowdfunding site called Global Giving uh, that's looking to raise $2 million in specifically local relief. So Also, if you're trying to get weird, it never hurts to donate some blood. Yeah, uh, people need it mm-hmm. like all the time, all the time. I feel bad. I don't want to get it, like, but I do feel bad for like people who cannot have no way of getting out of there that are there's just so, stuck. There's, there's so many there's people. children and there's babies and there's parents. I don't know. I just yeah. my heart breaks for them. Well, it's just seeing what Utica when we had that little bit of rain and people were trapped in little areas. That was nothing. Compared well, the to, craziest like, part becomes I mean, like how long it lasts. Like if you're talking about people trapped in like the second floor and attic of a flooded home, and you're talking about for like a week or two, like you've got, I mean, sometimes no, longer. Uh, like yeah. there's there it, the the craziest thing about it was something like the flooding. How long it goes on yeah. after like we stop thinking about it and talking about it. 
realistically, with the way these things work, these disasters, we're not going to think about this or talk about this after, you know, maybe a week or two if it's really bad, but the news cycle tends to move on. But it's just crazy to think the people who live there, I mean, there's still people trying to put their lives back together from Hurricane Katrina, and that was 12 years ago. Mm. And after it fades from the spotlight, all that stuff is still happening. And that's the really, really scary part about thinking about being in that situation. And all this is gone, and our wonderful president has barely said anything in the last couple of days. <laughs> we'll, get to that. we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I want to say one thing, and just another weird personal note. When we went to visit some friends of ours, uh, we went to visit... The boys from Deciding Tonight in Long Beach went down. Long to Beach, Long Island, New Long, York. Long Beach, Long Island, and uh, this was a while after Hurricane Sandy. Now, the the darkest part for Hurricane Sandy for me was I remember a couple days after it was over, the subways had not yet been open, but a lot of businesses in Manhattan were opening back up. So I actually went into work about three or four days in. Uh, I had to take like a cab in, take a bus in, and I took a bus from Manhattan back into Brooklyn that night. And what was wild is after you got past, like, 33rd Street, like, all the lights were still out. And all these buildings were rounded off with uh, road flares, and there was military personnel there just putting up these temporary houses. And I'd never seen anything like it, right? And that was only, like, three or four days afterwards. Now, within a week, the city kind of gets back to normal, right? By the time we went to visit Deciding Tonight in Long Beach, this has got to be six, seven months afterwards, Mm -hmm. they took us down to the beach and showed us just piles and piles of wreckage and sand and garbage and debris uh, that still had not been even touched since the hurricane. It was crazy. Every side street had so much sand in it. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't even, like, you know, disaster zone sand, but there were just big, giant piles of sand that people hadn't gotten around to, like, taking care of yet. Yeah, and it's funny because when you're in the city and Manhattan starts moving again, you're like, oh, well, that's it. Hurricane's over. Back to work. And you sometimes forget the people who never will really recover from this. Well, you think about, I mean, even go drive through Whitesboro, where we had that really bad flood earlier in the summer. You drive through those neighborhoods, those different parts that flooded, mm. and you could actually go driving through there on, like, a, a Saturday, Sunday afternoon, and people are off from work and working on fixing My their, their drowned-ass house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You'll, those people are still out there, and that, the, it's crazy how long this stuff can affect people who live in the areas for. I agree with Sam, though. Make sure you donate and mm. do it all you can to help out. Uh, this is... You know, let's talk. We can talk briefly about the politics of this if you want. Uh, this is probably going to be the first real major, like, emergency situation test for Trump, right? Um, I, I haven't really seen, and I have to be honest, I didn't go looking for it because I didn't okay. want to get too political about this. Did he have a, a, an official response to the to the flood at all? Not really. Not, Not really. really. Just that everybody's doing a he gave a he gave a, a quick thoughts and prayers like yeah. text me like a couple thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. tweets but then also mm-hmm. talking about it was weird because the way he was talking about because his tweeting is all the same like demented like <laughs> language but he's talking about it's like you know like with exclamation points and weird randomly capitalized words so it's like historic greatest rainfalls anybody's ever seen the spirit of the people is amazing thanks yeah, and it's no, just like it's just, no, he's not it's just like what that's exactly what it was like and then there's Obama President Obama former President Obama saying you know. Just sending love and reassurance and things like that, and other politicians are, and then there's him retweeting things about himself too. Do you see like after like the last couple of days, he's just been retweeting things that people say about him that are good. I think it's interesting when all those uh, the dirtbag members, uh, including Ted Cruz uh, specifically, and some of the House Republicans guys from Texas, who when Hurricane Sandy came to New York. They voted no for sending federal aid to to aid New York and New Jersey, obviously because there were evil blue states up here. And now they're like, please, please send us federal aid. And everybody's like, oh, well, isn't that interesting? Look who needs some federal fucking hurricane aid. (laughs) But we're sending it because we're not the devil. So here's a couple things. Uh, 
Trump was really adamant about the wall again this week. It was a very big week for the wall. Uh, you build you build a tremendous wall and you keep the ocean out. It's true. You got to keep the. We're gonna ocean build a wall. Pay. We're gonna make the ocean pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's actually you know. Gonna make the kingdom of Neptune pay for it. <laughs> low key, that was the scariest thing. That was my only real angry Trump moment this week. Because a lot of the Trump stuff lately, I'm just sort of like, I keep waiting for him to do more stuff so it gets people riled up and maybe something will happen because it doesn't seem like the cycle is moving anywhere. But I find it weird that his argument initially when he's campaigning is, we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. And I don't know when that transitioned to, give me money for this wall or I'm shutting down the government. Like, when, how did that transition come <laughs> so quickly? Like, was that always the plan? Like, was that the yeah, plan anyway? Course. Like, there was never a plan course, to get. There, I think no, he just woke course. up one morning and said, you know what, I'm doing this. Well, no, thing. because he called Mexico. Mexico's like, what do you, stop calling here. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to press charges. Like, who is him. this? <laughs> Uh, there were comments made Sunday uh, by Mexican officials who honed in on the tragedy uh, and did offer humanitarian and economic aid uh, to the people who were affected by the hurricane, but said, we're still not giving you any money for a wall. We will pay for this disaster. Hashtag no, no money for a wall. You know, we all we all share the Gulf down there, and the Mexican government always does a really good job of lending aid. Um, anytime there's a hurricane like this, you know, sure. they're great with it with Katrina. Anything that really falls in there, the Mexican government always steps up. And, you know, the point of that is, you know, we talk all this crazy stuff about Mexico and how they're they're not sending their best and the bad hombres and all that stuff. And by we, I mean them. <laughs> um, but, but, like, that that's neighbors. That's what neighbors do. You know what I mean? Like, going back to, you know, if your house flooded somewhere around town, you've got your neighbors to lean on. Mm-hmm. Mexico is our neighbor in the yeah. hemisphere. Same thing with Canada. You know what I mean? So that's a, that's a neighborly move. And uh, good on them. Thanks, Mexico. I... No wall for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, look. I, maybe this is a simplified view, and I'm sure that someone on the other side would tell me like why I'm wrong here. But if you are going to have to come up with a federal aid packet, pa- federal aid package to help with these people, you might not want to spend 1.6 billion dollars on a wall we don't need. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might want to use some of that money that you're going to spend <laughs> yeah, to make now the, this happened, you, need to. you know, maybe build some funding or do something with it. I don't know. It, well, maybe the infrastructure would be in better shape if we hadn't just burned a trillion dollars in the desert for the past 16 years. <laughs> but who am I to say? <laughs> who am I to who say? Who are you? Uh, all right. Um, I wonder what Claudia thinks about it. Oh, uh, gee, Claudia. Tweet me. Let's let's move away from uh, politics. Do you guys want to talk about local stuff next week? We can talk about yeah. something local. We'll talk about something more local next week. Uh, let's go to the interview this week. Uh, we're going to be bringing in the only, I guess he's the only member of Maiden Utica who hasn't been interviewed yet, right? I feel like, well, either way, we'll bring him in. This is our good friend, uh, Zach Wilson. He is uh, the man behind Mad Props. He is one of the co-founders of Made in Utica, Kev. Apparently, that's what his bio says. Is that true? Can you... Can you? <laughs> You'd have to ask Justin. I see a lot of co-founders. Of a lot of people no. claim no. to be no, co-founders. He was, he was for sure. He was one of the first people there, and we were having conversations about Made in Utica as an idea. Um, he was there with me and Justin. Mm-hmm. He ended up, you know, he got married, had a kid, and moved away, and so we'd always keep I in like touch him. from afar, but, like, as soon as we started to really get something happening, he had to... Pull back a little bit, so it is nice to have him home. It's been nice to have him back. Uh, he's a good dude. You may have seen him down at Franklin Square with his giant uh, neon-colored uh, selfie booth, which is really, really awesome. Uh, so here he is, uh, our good friend, Maiden Utica's own, Zach Wilson.
check, check, you know, yeah. check voice. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> check, yeah. check one, two. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was trying to, th- I thought today when I called you, uh, or texted you to come over for this, um, I thought to myself, oh, this is good because Zach is the last Maiden Utica member who is held out, who hasn't been on the show before. And to be fair, you haven't had a chance to be on the show. It was MIA. But then I thought about it, and our good friend GFOP, uh, Maiden Utica's own Jill Ducato, has not been on yet. So somehow, I've only been around you for two months, and you beat Jill Ducato, so you have something over her. You can give her a hard time next time you see her. Just I'll make sure. I'll make sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Zach Wilson, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you uh, here in the studio with me. Um, this doesn't count as an official interview because you work for Maiden Utica. You know that, right? Like this is yeah. You're doing me a favor, basically, is what you're. <laughs> well, thanks for having me either way. I'm gonna use shameless plugs this whole time. No, it's good. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> now, I was looking at your uh, at your Facebook page, and what was interesting about it is you are a man of many titles, and one of those titles that I guess is important to talk about is co-founder of Maiden Utica, which I don't know if a lot of people are aware that you go all the way back to the start of Maiden. I don't know if everyone's totally aware of that. I think like our core group of people mm-hmm. that we kind of, you know, interact with on a regular basis would know, but yeah, I, I think from the time it started till now, it's really, you know, grown exponentially. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, probably not even a year after it started, I took a job in Virginia mm-hmm. Beach area, Virginia. Yeah. And, um, you know, I took a chance, went out there mm-hmm. and... Um, everything worked out. We just, I get, we got a baby now, a yeah, little yeah. porter man. You little. met him, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, the grandparents are like, you guys got to come home. And my wife yeah. got a great job at St. Elizabeth's, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we love Utica. And if I had to come back to anywhere, it would be here. So. Sure, sure. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit because uh, you were initially born in Norfolk. That's why you were you yep. were there initially. What was? Uh, how long were you in Norfolk growing up? Like, do you remember when you came upstate? Yeah, I came up uh, probably like I don't know. Eight nine months old. My mom oh, so was you... in the navy. Oh, okay. she's from here, and my dad's from there. Oh, interesting. And um, they actually came back up here because my dad, he grew up, he lived there his whole life. So he's like, I want to check out upstate New York. So you, that's about. So you don't have much like memory early on of growing up in Norfolk at all. No, it was more from like early teens. I would we'd go and visit, mm-hmm. you know, see my grandparents. I have uh, an older brother there, and actually my younger brother moved there. He's been there the last couple oh, years nice. too. I got a pretty big family, so mm, wonderful. You ever go to Newmarket, Virginia, while you were down there? No. I stuck around pretty much Hampton Roads, which is like seven cities. I sure. worked in Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. I lived in Norfolk. Hung out in Virginia Beach a lot. And my only real, and it's funny because I've, I've driven through Virginia a couple of times, but my only, that's really my only real knowledge of Virginia is driving through it to go to either Tennessee or Florida yeah. or Georgia or whatever. And uh, I always loved, it's a beautiful drive. It's a beautiful landscape. It's the land is really, really beautiful. Um, and people were very friendly. I was actually surprised at how friendly people were. I couldn't. I was shocked at how like uh, welcoming and neighborly everybody was. That's that was uh, my wife's first impression too. Yeah. Was we got Super down there and she's like, like "People are so nice here." Except when you get on the interstate in the morning to go to well, work. That's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I still hold a grudge against like the state of New Jersey because of the tra- problems I had driving there when I was like younger. Well, it's just crazy. Um, people don't drive very well down there. No offense to anybody oh, from Virginia. Yes. It's just every morning on sixty four, there's at least three accidents every morning. I feel like no one drives well anywhere anymore. No. I've noticed that, and I'm telling you, I feel like in the last 10 years, I've no, even people around here, I look in people's cars sometimes, and they're always on their phone. Like, I, everyone's oh, on their phone un- when they're driving. It's nuts. It's it's bad. It's, bad. it's really bad. I mean, like, when you start seeing, like, stories about people in the Teslas, you know, oh they, they drove by a Tesla and the guy was sleeping. 
Let's watch. <laughs> you know, he's just sleeping. Outrageous. The guy dies because he was watching Harry Potter. This is the this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna get the automated cars, and then no one's ever gonna know. It's like remember how we used to know people's cell phone numbers, and then now we oh we have a visitor in the studio. We'll come back in a second, but uh, <laughs> we have babies in the studio. Um, it was like when everyone used to know cell phone numbers, and then cell phones came out, and now I don't remember anyone's cell phone number. That's what's gonna happen. The automated cars are going to take over, and then no one's ever going to remember there was a time that people knew how to drive. It's like, wait, what do you mean? People used to do this? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it reminds me, like, we showed Wally at the movie. Yes. Or the guy's just, out. everything's automated, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just riding around on the, the carts, motorized. I mean, <laughs> in other countries, they have um, automated trucking. You oh, know, yeah. Not, you know, That's center coming. lanes in the highways, that it's just... Mm. That's coming. That's coming for sure. I feel bad because that's like seems like one of the first things that's going to get automated. Oh yeah. I've gone off track here. So yeah. Uh, eight, eight months in, you're coming uh, back upstate from from Norfolk. You're eight months in. Where were you settled upstate when you came back up here? Um. Like were mostly you Mo- mostly Mohawk Valley. I'm um, not Utica so much. My mom is from Fort Plain and Fort Plain. Okay. Her parents live in Mohawk. Well, so I was Mount in like Markham? Mohawk, Ilian. I went to Mount Markham for three years. Mm, um, interesting. Because of my mom's being in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, we moved yes. and came back, moved, you know, did stuff like that. So hmm. I went to pretty much every school in the Valley except for Frankfurt. I went to Herkimer and Mohawk, Ilian. That's interesting to me that, like, the, the military, growing up in the military background is something I've had a couple people over the years of doing the show have talked about it. And it's a lifestyle that I think I'm super disconnected to, the idea of just sort of being uprooted and moving around. Did that, like, you think it had an effect on you growing up in terms of, like... Oh, kind of one person you were, or? yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, you got to think, it's rough being the new kid. Sure, certainly. so then you're always the new kid, and it puts pressure on you to like to be, like make first impressions and make new friends. And yeah, things. it was either the first impression or like your first day. The bully would approach you, and then you'd have sure. to punch him in the nose. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, really, it was a double edged sword, but it it worked out because I met a lot of people. Sure, like I know. People from Mohawk, Ilian, Herkimer, Utica, Frankfurt, Rome, I mean, all over the place. And these are people that I've known, you know, met throughout my life up to this point yeah, yeah. that I'm in contact with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Might have just went to school with them for two or three years, but especially with social media now, you yeah. know, as soon as Facebook was allowed to everybody, not just to college you students, know, I, that's, I got like 30 million friend I'm requests glad, from kids I went to school with I'm in so, second grade. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's like one of the weird oldster, old millennial <laughs> things that I remember about Facebook that a lot of people don't talk about is that you used to not be able to get on Facebook yep. unless you had that college that college. And everybody's shit. still on MySpace. So everybody's like, oh, I'm on Facebook. Sorry, loser. That's why I got on Twitter so early. I was like, Twitter, I can get on Twitter, though. Uh, well, let me ask you this. So you went to you went to HCCC for yep. college? Yep. Um, so, okay, I have an interesting... All right, so I like HCCC, and I think that HCCC over the years has gotten an incredible incredibly bad reputation for being like a party school for being like a school that you don't take seriously but like a lot of my friends who've gone there especially in this radio and tv department that i think you were in as well claim that it's an amazing program because of the ability to be so hands-on so i have a two-fold question like what was your first impression of like spending time at hccc and what were your thoughts about the radio and tv program in general so Herkimer, I can definitely see the party school aspect, but which college isn't? I think some just True. more, it's more in the limelight, especially in an area like this where, I mean, mm. you have college and then you have small towns, you know yes. what I mean? You have Herkimer, yeah. all these little towns, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. when something happens, someone gets in trouble or a party gets busted or whatever, it's yeah. like, on the new, it's in the newspaper. And it's not a knock, it's like there's less to do. 
Oh, yeah, for I mean, sure. Like, well, I've been up to the Herkimer dorms now, Joker, yeah. and I was at MV, and MV doesn't get the reputation for being a party school, but people at MV party just fine. Yep. I saw Same a Same thing with Utica College, yeah, all of sure. that. And, um, I don't know why it is that a triple... Maybe it's the way those dorms are laid out, or just the way that, like, there's... I don't know what else you would do at Herkimer sometimes. Like, I don't mean that as a knock. I'm not trying to, like, shit on Herkimer, but, like, I it think... seems like it's... It leans itself into like being yeah. Well, people are sitting around in the dorms a lot. What do we do? What do college kids do in dorms? You know what I mean? They party. So well, and also I think the big issue that they had was that they were getting. We're so close to New York City. Yeah. That there a lot of city kids are coming to school here, but what that brought was a lot of their cousins or family members were coming sure. up and they would just stay in their dorm for yes. two or three months. Yeah, a lot of people partying. And they had yeah. a lot of robberies up there, mm. and it might not just be city kids; it's anywhere. But yeah, and I know a lot of robberies, a lot of. Um, you know, fights, major fights. Um, I think, too, access in a lot... I work in the college atmosphere, right? I work for, you know, your college, and I, I take a lot of kids to field trips on colleges. And Herkimer... When I used to go to Herkimer College and goof around and, like, see my friends up there, I never signed in or anything. Yeah. I never, like... No, I mean, yeah, exactly. I think it a lot... Like, when I used to go visit people at, like, SU, you gotta... You gotta have IDs and you gotta yeah. sign. I think a lot of it was just accessibility. It's hard to stop people when it's just exactly. a smaller college like that, and there is. And then you the have Herkimer too, which yeah, you know everybody. People rip on Herkimer now because I mean, if you go down to Herkimer, it's it's devastation. Sure. When you talk about industry gone, you oh, know what yeah. I mean. But Herkimer, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and it sounds funny on their main street, it was like. A picturesque Main Street where you would park. Oh yeah. Diagonal. Yeah. There was a Woolworths. Mm-hmm. There was you know all sorts of businesses, but then New York State passed a law to where parolees, yeah, um, other types of convicts and um, people that needed to be close to the county office buildings and parole offices, which are right there off of Main Street. Yeah, yeah. They have to be within a certain amount of miles to that place. Sure. Most of them don't drive. What mm-hmm. did they do? All the old dorm buildings and stuff that were on Main Street turned into low-income housing and all of that. And, you know, it kind of turned that area to an eyesore. You I know? hear what you mean. Let me ask you about the radio and TV program. Sure. Bit, because uh, I actually did some video work up there over the years while I was playing in bands and while I was working for WB. Uh, did you have a good experience in the radio TV department? Because most people I know seem to have enjoyed it. That program is probably... I was one of them, probably like every other kid, not sure what I wanted to yeah. do, but something I was always interested in was radio, um, me, like music videos more than television. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we grew up around actual MTV and stuff like that. When they like made that. music videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I used to take tapes. I would take my mom's tapes out of her tape collection. Mm-hmm. I'd stick the paper in the holes, <laughs> and I would sit, and I would just record the radio, yeah. and I would cut all the commercials out. <laughs> And I'd have a mixtape, you know what I mean? And um, I used to call in. I remember I'd win, I was like 10 years old. I was winning tickets from the Herkimer College radio station. Yes. This kid, Jamie Ellsworth. Shout out, Jamie, if you ever heard hear this. <laughs> Jamie Ellsworth was the radio DJ when they played, like, metal, like Cannibal Corpse and oh, man, all this. Yeah. And, uh, Mudvayne. <laughs> yeah, well, this was before Mudvayne. This just had to have been 10 years old. This was oh yeah early 90s. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Mid-90s. So um, I'd win these tickets, and then they'd be like, well... They'd give them to me and then realize that I was only ten. Yeah, but they were happy I was listening. But um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I was like, I got, I want to do that. Like, I want to be the guy that's getting people ready to go in their night, or you know, hear me on the radio. And I never actually worked in radio since then or ever. But um, you know, their program up at Herkimer is amazing. Yeah. Um, 
from day one, you're hands on. Yeah. Usually you'll start with like yeah. rolling or you know rolling cables up. And all <laughs> exactly. That stuff. But um, the professors there, top notch. Yeah. They got a lot of awards that they don't get a lot of credit for. Exactly. You know what I mean? And um, when I went and actually worked in the field after I worked up at WTR, I was working with some people, and I'll mention no names that went to sure. Rutgers, these Syracuse, big school, yeah. yeah, and they didn't touch equipment till their junior year. That seems to be the prevailing theory: is that it is a smaller location at a more intimate location, like Ace Triple C. You get that hands-on day one knowledge. Where at Syracuse, you might not touch a camera till your junior year, maybe. And maybe we had the HD, but, yeah, HD cameras, all that stuff too. So. Um, your hands-on, when I got an actual job, I had no no issues. I could operate the cameras. Yeah. I could cut packages, shoot promos, do all that stuff. And um, they prepare you so well that it's no surprise now, like, their classes for that program, it gets pretty booked up. Mm. I mean, they get a lot of people. What was your initial plan with uh, radio TV? You wanted to just shoot camera work? You wanted to... I was always a technical guy, technical so guy, yeah. I got into the camera work, yeah. um, technical directing as well, you know, punching the keys on the board, and um, but I really just liked putting together a shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, having to, especially with a studio camera, truck it, you're, you know, you got this huge camera on wheels, mm-hmm. and then you could lift it up and down, you know, you can do so much different stuff that I just liked setting up a shot, like a closing yeah. shot after a weather segment, and I'm, you know... Zooming out, I'm trucking left and, you know, doing all this creative stuff. And I think it's a weird, it's much like music where people say, like, singers always want to be drummers and drummers always want to be singers. <laughs> like, I, I used to be on the other side of the camera, reading teleprompter stuff and doing acting stuff. And I'm as I get older, I'm super fascinated by the, the other side of it. Now. Yeah. Like, I watch, like, Twin Peaks, and I, I'm going to talk about it later on, but I love their, the way, I just love watching his camera shots. I'm so fascinated yeah. by the way, like, editing and video camera works now and stuff. Yeah, and... Um, it's it's just it's it's inter- super interesting for someone yeah. like me who has but, kind of a little ADD to be able to just. But how much freedom are you allowed to do in like at a local platform? Like, and I'm not trying to. I'm not. They would about, let yeah. you take cameras out. You could sign them out. These cameras really? are probably four thousand dollars, hmm. and you could take them out and go and shoot your own little videos. And that's how I met Justin Parkinson. Ah, yes, Justin Parkinson. Let Mr. me ask. <laughs> Mr. Utica Famous, and it's weird. Really? I'll I'll get right into it. It's really weird because we met. We we kind of clicked initially because you know we were in there we were a little older than the rest of the kids yeah. too so um Makes sense. it was it was just weird you know we got along well and then we realized that our parents went to high school together really in the small little town of fort plain hmm. and that his family was out can or from canjo and uh yeah, yeah. fort plain area and our parents went to school together and then we just met in college not knowing that and just you know hmm. became real tight so you were probably around and i said this to kevin uh, you were probably around in the era when I was in New York City, and you and this is like 2014, and you and Parkinson and whoever the starting crew was here on Maiden. What would you say in like your topic like, when you think of like the people who were like there at the day one? It was like you and Parkinson and Kevin. I say Mark and Jill, I assume. And yep. Yeah. Um, well, because Mark was doing. Um, we all kind of fell into doing festival and concert video and photo yeah. and all of that and we started a blog page that was kind of was that the I'm, i might be wrong was that the officially outrageous yeah outrageous okay, yep. yeah, yeah and um that was kind of cutting edge for no one was covering shows like that like sure. interviewing the artists filming some of the shows instead of just like a straight concert video we yeah. would tie in the interview mm-hmm. with it and do you know something a little more artistic with it than just like your typical shot of the guy mm-hmm. djing or playing his instrument and um that turned into a few years of just really, really hard work. And when you're trying to start a company like that, it's tough to monetize it. 
Sure. So, um, you know, over some UCs one night, it was like me, Mark, Kevin, Justin, we were talking about all the, the strengths that our group of people have, whether it's marketing, PR, photo, video editing, all different types of stuff, um, that we should provide a service to people that would tie in all of that custom apparel. I mean, your, your business startup. And then that turned into, you know, made in Utica kind of, that was like the first stage of it. Mm. And then we came up with the name and we had the concept already. We already helped out local. I probably should know this since I'm wearing the hoodie and I've been in the crew for over years now, but when did you have alternate names initially that you were going to call it? Was there any other initial names besides made in Utica? Surprisingly, Justin just kind of, you know how he is. He, he, yeah. it came to mind and he's like, that's what it is. <laughs> Justin's a little like me in that way where like sometimes when it comes to stuff like that, it's like whatever the first thought is and that's what it is. And I'm like, yep, that's it. I'm going with it. You to cast. That's it. We're well, done here. You know what I mean? Like, and first thing we said was like, that's probably taken. Probably, it's probably, it's probably taken. I knew that there was no Uticast. I was like, no one, there's not, that's not a thing. That I can have all of this if I look for it's it. It's just perfect. And the the concept, you could really take to any city if yeah. you wanted to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, some cities like Norfolk has, um, I love Hampton Roads, yeah. or that area does. And um, it's an app, and they have a website, and it's kind of similar format and all that. They do pop-up shops. and. Let me ask you this. So 2014, you guys found Made in Utica. 2014 is the yep. actual official founding. And then you go back to Virginia. When, when did you go back to Virginia? Was that 2015? Yeah, we went back uh, June 2015. Right. That must be right after I came back from New York, because I met you yeah, like, at a, your house. You yep. had, a, you had a fire, and it was right before you were leaving, I think. Yeah. Um, Interesting. You know, we went down, just uh, my wife wanted to try her luck out at jobs down there. I had family down there. We live five minutes from Oceanfront. I mean... It's a different lifestyle. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. There's a lot of times people will come on here and, you know, I, I left for New York and came back. And when I came back to Utica, people were like, oh, you, know, what's it, you feel bad about coming back? And I was like, no, that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy my time in New York. There are many things I Or you I failed yeah, or, yeah. Well, I don't think, that is a narrative that people who come back build up in our heads. Like, everyone yeah. builds up that narrative, like, oh, God, I'm coming back. I, I, I'm doing much better here than I was in New yeah. York City. Like, that's the, that's the God's line. It's true. Yeah. Like, I could not have sustained my life in New York City. So as much as I enjoyed it down there, yeah. and it's like, would you go back? Eh, I guess, right? Like, I'm sure that, would you go back to Virginia if you could have, if you could have gone back? Like, you know? Um, I mean, since we just got back in June, I can't say, I, I mean, I would always go back. It's a beautiful right. area. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, mm. there's a lot of opportunity down there. The weather's nice pretty much all year yeah, round. Um, but... You can't trade that for family. You know what I mean? And yeah, I have a point. My dad's family's down there, but like I grew up with my mom. So my mom, her whole family, my grandparents, Kate's mom, her parents, all of that are here. So yeah, I'm sort of with you on that. Like most of the family that I'm, you know, that I have that's around is here. So it it was, it was not hard for me to come back. And Um, and we have an eight month old, like I said. So the the fact that he can be around his grandparents is, you know, you can't. And they can watch the kid for you, so you can do hey, stuff, which yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when did Mad Prop start? Was this something you did in Virginia, or were you doing this uh, up here as well beforehand? No, that just uh, that was kind of a concept that came up came up with in Virginia as a tangible investment. You sure. know, we're pushing Made in Utica and that stuff that we can continue to do, mm. and I can work a full time job. And I was like, you know, why not do something on the weekends? You know, um, 
And for, I, yeah, well, for, and for folks who've seen us at the Franklin Square film series, uh, you're always down there with the big, giant, glowing photo booth. It's yep. really cool. It's got a big glow, uh, the cube, I call it. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty yeah. cool looking, actually, I have to admit. Packed with uh, LEDs, they're all remote control. The uh, kiosk itself is fully customizable, remote control. Um, I could put your face talking mm. on it, and someone could hit your mouth no or something for the start button. But I'm no saying, one, no it's, it's completely customizable. <laughs> the options for it are crazy, and... Um, I just was looking for a tangible investment that I could do part time. Sure. That um, that there was a, a need for, and not necessarily saying there's not a lot of photo booths in this area. I'm saying there's not a lot like mine. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So, um, are you gonna be set up down for downtown get down? Yeah, I'll be at the downtown get down. We'll be at uh, Franklin Square. Um, nice. my wife Caitlin will be running it over there. Awesome. Um, we'll be at Franklin Square, and then we're gonna move it over to Nail Creek. Mm. For the end of the get down with Gibbs and the disco party. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, Thomas be, D. It's going to be really awesome. I'm Jeff Van Slyke, Fast Entertainment, so I'm donating the stage and the lights and all that. It's uh, MainUnica.com, folks. Yeah. Downtown get down. I'm going to keep talking September about it. September 16th. I can't wait. I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. I mean, the fact that everything is donated and a community pulls together, the, you know. Yeah. And it's always pretty much the same groups of people that pull together, but it it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. To even, sure. if people just would come out to a movie one night for free <laughs> yeah. and see the amount of people that just yeah. set up there i mean it was beautiful my first time seeing it when i came back was like i can't believe people are watching et <laughs> in franklin square it's just I mean, it was amazing i'm gonna convince them next year to let me pick all the movies yeah. I've, I've been getting, i've been getting kicked out every year of the process uh let me ask you this uh the other thing i know you for at least from my perspective is you do a lot of screen printing and vinyl printing it seems like is this sort of something else you've been sort of doing is like a hobby or is this another business idea for you or i'm i'm obsessed with learning like yeah. new things so uh one time i went to order shirts at amp master images over there and uh, i think they're in utica now yeah uh Harold Potter. Yeah. yep i uh I ordered shirts one day, Howard and I was Potter. like, Harold yeah, Howard. Potter. Harold Potter. <laughs> Harold. <laughs> He's not a magician. Uh, sorry, Howard. Um, but uh, I was getting shirts one day, and I'm like, you know, this is interesting how you do this. I was like, mm. you mind showing me how it's done? As far as, like, he gave me a tour. So then I saw it, and I was like, if you ever need any help, I'd love to just come and learn. Yeah. So he's like, actually, um, I do need some help. He's like, a production assistant. I didn't know what the hell that meant. <laughs> yeah. So Freely. I go there. <laughs> I go there like a week later and I'm like cleaning screens and learning like basically from the ground up. Mm. And then once I got really fast at that, I was like, well, I want to learn how to screen print. Mm. Learned how to screen print. Then I was like, man, I want to learn how to do sublimation mm. and embroidery. And I learned all the processes and um, I just came became really fascinated with it, you know, from conceptualizing the idea to putting it on a shirt, you mm. know, and the different processes that come with it. Mm. So I guess you're the man whose wheels I need to grease to get a limited edition Uticast t-shirt run. Because that's what I've been trying to do for a long time. I need that limited edition Uticast t-shirt run. And I only want a limited edition because I don't want, like, I don't want a box full, like, a thousand Uticast t-shirts sitting in my house that I'll never be able to get rid of. Which is, I'm sure, what will happen if I don't make, like, yeah. ten. <laughs> yeah, but your best thing is just, uh, we'll set up a time, me and you will come we'll figure out designs and we we'll, can... We'll have to do something. Yeah, we'll, we definitely do something. Listen, any Uticast listeners who want to send me in some dope designs, just like maybe me and Kevin and and Heather as like as like puppets or talking heads or something, that'd be pretty good. I'm into that. Um, we've actually I'm bad at that because I'm always afraid to put myself out in public or like take a picture of myself because I don't find myself to be particularly photogenic, which is never a problem you've had. Matter of fact, uh, 
you accommodated very nicely to it. You were in our Independence Day video with your son. Did you enjoy doing the uh, Independence Day video with us? Man, I was so happy to finally be back because <laughs> I was in uh, the first video I saw when you guys did uh, Back to the Future. Yeah. And I'm in Virginia, and I'm like, I looked at my wife, I'm like, why am I not home? Mm. Why am I not there to be a part of these <laughs> hilarious, hilarious videos? So as soon as I got a chance to be in one, I had to. And that was a, that was a good one. I had to play Randy Quaid. You were, you were, was, you were on for it. I was impressed. Porter stole the show, SP. Oh, for sure. Uh, before we get into the lightning round questions, I um, want to let you plug yourself, obviously. Any websites or anything people should go to, check out? You can check out uh, gotmadprops.com. Um, you can check us out on Facebook. Hmm. We're, we're doing crazy deals just since this is our first year back. So, yeah. uh, you know, any event, we're down to do uh, charity events, pretty hmm. much anything. But check us out. It's like nothing you've ever seen before i love it man and uh look i'm happy to have you back even though you're a dolphins fan and i'm a bills fan so we're natural rivals yep uh you love jay cutler it's crazy you're, one of the few, you're like me though because i actually find jay cutler to be fascinating so i'm glad that you're i'm glad that you're in on it. anybody that knows the dolphins <laughs> know what we've been through the last 25 years um the amount of coaches yeah. we've had the amount of quarterbacks we've had um I, I have a whole section in my closet of jerseys that I bought where they were like, this is going to be the franchise the player. One. And then they... Who's your, who's your most obscure Dolphins jersey? Um, <laughs> well, let's see. We got Ron, Ronnie Brown, Brandon Marshall. Oh, Brandon Marshall, um, yes. Um, I always got the quarterback one because you would think they'd hold the quarterback for a little while. So I had... Uh, do you have Jay Fiedler? If you have a Tannehill jersey, please give it to me. I want it. Really I have a Dante Culpepper. You have a Dante Culpepper? <laughs> All right, so, all right, so I'll tell you a funny story. I'm not, soccer is my sport. I'm sorry, Ricky, football. Ricky Williams, too. That's a great one. That's a good one. That's the classic. Yeah. Uh, the only sport I really get hyped up for anymore is soccer at this point in time in my life, right? Like, I, I've i seen the Yankees a lot. It's fine. You're getting me more interested. Now yeah. I'm checking scores. I and soccer, man. I, dude, I, I, that's a whole, we, that's a 25-minute conversation we could have by ourselves somewhere else. But, <laughs> um, but as a kid, like, I settled into being a Bills fan later in my life, but as a kid, I was one of those sports fans who just bought starter jackets and coats and stuff because I liked the way the teams look. So the Dolphins were, like, a team whose color scheme was awesome in the 90s when we were a kid. Oh, yeah. like, the Joe, like, uh, like, Joe Marino was a person. Or, uh, the, you know, Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Joe yeah, Marino Joe, is our... I'm like, Joe Marino. Joe Marino's our council. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Councilman Joe. Yeah, I Shout had the Joe. black starter jacket, the pullover. Yes. I had the pocket the, in the front. Yeah, yeah. I think it was money. Uh, yeah, Dan Marino was like the first popular like football player I liked, so I definitely liked the Dolphins for like a year, and then I liked the Raiders because the Raiders were cool looking, and then I liked Joe Montana because Joe Montana is a dope name. Yes, I don't care what anybody says though. Dan Marino, greatest of all time. <laughs> I mean, not all right. I won't say that. I can't say that with honesty, but it, he's probably in the top. All right, top five. I'll say this about Dan Marino. His stats don't look as impressive now because now we enter an era of football where people just throw all the time. But when Dan Marino was playing, it was not common for dudes to throw for, like, 300, 400 yards a game. He was, like, a prototype for the quarterbacks that we see today. Although he wasn't very mobile. That's the only thing about it. He was, like, a statue. Yeah, but <laughs> you could hit the quarterback back then as well. You were. You were allowed to hit um, the quarterback. That's here, true. that's why, you know, quarterbacks now are playing until they're 45. Tom Brady. Yeah. Need some time. Yeah. All right, well, congratulations. Good luck this year with your Miami Dolphins, I have to say. Uh, I, I'm sure you will be... Better than the Bill. I Smoking really, Jay Cutler. We'll I see really, what happens. This is good. between the Jets and the Dolphins and the Bills. I feel like they might as well just like forfeit, right? Like the Patriots are just going to win, right? Like obviously Edelman's no. out, so we'll see what happens with that. I know. You know what I said? I I keep telling myself is that, Belichick out? No, <laughs> same thing. I said Tom Brady just retire. That guy's gonna play till he's fifty. 
He's going to have one of those bionic arms you were talking about earlier. Uh, Zach, once again, thank you for joining us here today. It is time, though, however, for the lightning round. These are the same six or so questions we've asked everybody who's been on the show for the last 40 to 50 some odd episodes, and we will start with this one. Zach Wilson, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Cream, one sugar. Cream, one sugar. Not a black coffee man. No. Okay. All right. All right. I have coffee. I had coffee here earlier, but I drank it all before you Black cold brew. Yes. Good for... You know what? Good man. You're right in the same... I like the cold brew coffee with nothing else in it. I get, like... People are like, it's better tasting. I'm like, no, it's good. You're crazy. Um, all right. What was your first automobile? You actually have a pretty uh, significant automobile now, but we'll get to that in a minute. My first one was a maroon Chevy Corsica. Chevy Corsica, yes. Yeah. Yes. There's about eight million of them on the road. Now you don't see a single one. Speaking of which, you have a Scion, which you're one of like one of the few people I know who has yeah, a Scion. I don't know. A Scion else. XV too. Everybody's <laughs> like the toaster. I don't know. I, I thought you had like I don't I didn't know it was a Scion at first. I thought it was like one of those Ford edges or whatever it was when it first showed up. I you and Jilly Duke, the only two people I know who have. <laughs> well, I test drove a bunch of cars, and then I test drove that, and I was like, I cannot believe how much space is inside there. And we were doing a lot of traveling with gear and all that. It it's was... a sharp. It's kind of sharp look. The white is a sharp look. It's yeah. a very sharp Well, and they got the little fin on the back, and it's got 18s on it, so it makes it look pretty sweet. You may or may not have taken your Chevy Corsica to see it, but what was your first live music event? It was Steve Miller Band. Steve Miller Band. Yeah, at Saratoga <laughs> Performing Arts Center, and I was 12 years old. Steve Miller, what's that? And I went with an uncle, and it was awesome. That's Fly Like an Eagle, right? Yeah. And then Abracadabra. Which... Jungle Love, no. Jungle... I, I knew probably... See, when I was... I've been obsessed with music my whole life, so like I was the kid that fell asleep with his headphones on every night mm. with a different CD, and I would just... I would put a CD the in and listen can... start to finish. The fact that you like Steve Miller for a guy who's a little bit younger than me is a little off right I'm a Steely Dan guy, which I get a lot of weird looks for, for being like 31 and liking Steely Dan. But Steve Miller's like... Under your age, like over your oh. age range. Well, my mom used to do. You remember Columbia House, the CDs yes. where you yes. buy one full price, which was like thirty dollars, <laughs> and then damn. you could get ten of them or whatever. Three year contract. Yeah. These CDs coming in all the time. So uh, we would just pick out a bunch. So I would have. I would walk around with a case of CDs. I probably. <laughs> I hope no one has a picture of this. <laughs> but I would walk around with a case of CDs. It'd be on. The, it'd be in my backpack at the bottom of the school bus. Or, you know what I mean? Um, and it would go from. Justin would hate me. Um, Credence, Credence, some CCR yeah. to the Fugees. Oh, I had off. Warren G. Regulators album. Justin, Justin is not here to define anyone's musical taste because Justin doesn't really like all that much music. Yeah. Like he sort of just hates everything. Like that's yeah. his whole mo in life. His shtick. Well, uh, similar line. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Well. Of course, Game of Thrones. Oh, God, I just already ranted about Game of Thrones. Kind of yesterday. Kind of in and out of power. Um, oh, the, oh, is that the one with Fifty Cent on it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, when you have the Fire Stick, you just watch a bunch of random yes. stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and then music. I'm just. I'm all over. The, I'm on Spotify, so I'm all over oh, the place. Yeah. Um, and then movies. I haven't watched a good movie in a long time. I know. I'm I watched been... Dunkirk. I wa- it was, Did you like Dunkirk? It was all right. I wasn't impressed. I, I was, mean, I was told I should have been more excited for it than I was. And I, um, the cinematography and all that stuff yeah. was great, but just I don't know. I couldn't get into it. Uh, if you could go to dinner with one person, Zach, uh, who is not your family, living or dead, who would it be? One person, dinner, living or dead, not your family. Rick James. Rick James. Yeah. Rick James. Rick James. <laughs> Some grapes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I love... Uh, Rick James, actually... Um, I was trying to think about it. Like, 
He actually is kind of underrated as a musician now. He's sort of a meme. Like yeah, meme oh, culture. yeah. But if you look back, he had hits. Besides oh, he had the hits. Super Freak, he was good. He had hits. Uh, and I don't know if it'd be Rick James. Maybe, um, I don't know, Bee Gees. I'm Ooh. into disco. It would just the, be fun to like, it would just be fun to go or. Was that Barry Gibb? Just one yeah, of the Barry Gibb. Yeah, one of the Gibbs. What Gibb is left? Doesn't matter, I suppose. I just wonder if his um, voice is as high when he talks as when he sings. I always thought about that with that Sinner guy Dinner from Lake. Rush, right? The guy, Getty Lee from Rush, he sings like, I'm Tom Sawyer. He's like, you don't talk like that, right? Like, I don't, I don't get, sing like I talk, so I Let me get it. some broccoli alfredo. Broccoli alfredo. All right. Uh, <laughs> and finally, besides, um, besides music, besides community, uh, besides screen printing, besides your family, besides uh, being a part of Made in Utica, give me one more thing uh, you, Zach Wilson, are passionate about. I am passionate about, I don't know, I guess uh, just life, you know, at this mm. point, being a little over 30. Um, being back in the area, it's uh, it's just kind of embracing the family aspect. I'm getting older. I'm kind of respecting that part of life quick, more. You know it what I mean? Like, quick in your especially having the baby, it's just uh, it's nice to get the family time and yeah. be around friends and be here to do the Uticast and oh, well. it's uh. It's just nothing better. It was a real pleasure to have you come on. I do appreciate it. Um, I'm glad you're back. Uh, it's nice having you back around, seeing you more often. And I appreciate you coming in uh, and doing this for us tonight. Folks, we'll be back to the show uh, in just a moment. Get those mad props. Mad props. Um, yeah, thank you again, Zach Wilson. Great guy. I need to get him on that screen printing game with those Uticast t-shirts. I've already, I need to get him. We need to come Whoa, up with a, I need a logo or some sort of like fancy design for a Uticast t-shirt. I'm not sure. Any thoughts off the top of your head? You're a fashion, you're a fashionista, Heather. Look at me. I am not a fashionista. <laughs> <laughs> I have people who look pretty for me. <laughs> Smart. That's the, that's the way it works. I people to look pretty. Uh all right, yeah, thanks again to Zach. Um, Did you know that I've known Zach longer than any of the, any, like, Justin Parkinson or anybody like that? I've known him longer than all those guys. Really? Yeah. I did not I know that. I was friends with him years before. I was, fr- wow. before I had ever met Justin or started to hang out with Mark or hmm. anything like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Zach uh, was probably, I think I told him this, he was around in the era, I think, when I only knew Maiden Utica as an entity on Twitter that sort of annoyed me. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Back in then, the... you met Justin in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I met Justin in reality, uh, and now he just annoys me in real life. Uh, no, but thanks again, Zach, for coming in. I appreciate it. Um, you guys ready for some history lessons? We got a lot of history lessons this week. You say that every week, like it's like there's ever been some right, magical so week. Like, where it's like just a quick one. Four. Well, four is the <laughs> average. I like I like to have four of them. Do you? But yeah, I like to three. Have... Seems like it would be the number. Because at four, it feels incomplete unless you do five. Yeah, because they four and they were waiting for five. Yeah, but four is the symbol of excellence, like Ric Flair, like the four horsemen, like four. Nobody's going to... Uh, either way. Nope. All right. Okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, I don't have any any context for this. It's just an important historical moment. Uh, on this day in 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, sat on, uh, spoke from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the March on Washington. He spoke to about 250 
80,000 people. Uh, and he gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. Uh, it's awesome. Cool moment. I actually was at the Lincoln Memorial not too long ago, and that's one of the first things you think of when you sit up there. Like, it's that moment, like, I Have a Dream speech, and then also Forrest Gump when he's in that same location. <laughs> Those are, like, the two things I thought of. I was like, right here, I was like, man, this is amazing. Like, this moment took place right here. And I was like, and then that's where Jenny came out of the water in the reflecting oh, pool, yeah. and Forrest ran down and gave her a hug. Um, so, yeah, yeah, if you've never, never seen anything about that, it's a really cool moment in American history. Um, and that's it. No jokes. I'm going to move on. Oh, I got a name for you guys. You ready? This one's primarily for me. I'm going to give you a name. Pele. Everybody you... knows about Pele. You know about Pele? Everybody knows about Pele. How do I not know about Pele? Do you Pele? not know Am about... Am I from another universe when I'm with you two? <laughs> we wonder like, sometimes. I'm like, how, how do I not know if I, of What would you assume Pele was if I just gave you the name? The name? It's somebody's name? Somebody's name. Pele. I, I wouldn't even know. You don't, I don't even know. I Knowing think me. Of, I think guess. of Pele's shoes. Knowing me. <laughs> Pele's shoes. That's pretty good. Uh, knowing me... Um, what do you think it would be about? What are the things I like in my life? Wrestling, dinosaur. A dinosaur wrestler. A dinosaur, yes, that's, that's right. right. No, no. I'm going to go with that. that work? No? <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, so Pele uh, was a soccer star in this day in 1977. Brazilian soccer superstar Pele led the New York Cosmos to victory in the Soccer Bowl, the champion of the now-defunct North American Soccer League. Um, this is only important for me. I'm a huge soccer fan. Uh, there's this joke they talk about. Uh, on a show I listen to called Men and Blazers. They call soccer the sport of the future, and it has been in this country since 1968. Uh, and this was, like, the first time that soccer really uh, became an American thing that people were watching. Uh, matter of fact, at this final in 1977, uh, they had 35,000 people at an outdoor arena in Portland, Oregon, which at the time was the most uh, anyone had ever set for a soccer game in the United States. So, pretty cool. Uh, there's also a really, really awesome documentary about the New York Cosmos, which if you've never seen before, it's it's amazing. It's called Once in a Lifetime. It's a great, great documentary. Add it to my queue. Add it to your queue. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, that's it. That's all I know about Thank Pele. You, for sure. you like that one? Yeah, Pele. Pele is a good one. I learned something new with you and Kevin every week. <laughs> every week. <laughs> okay. Have fun Monday. <laughs> uh, on this day in 1987. Uh, what do you think the number one song in America was? You want to take a guess before I admit it to you? It's about the number one song in America, 1987, on this date. Uh, they all kind of sort of jumped Walking together. I don't know what came out. Hurt you. I want to dance with somebody, <laughs> but I wouldn't hear something. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, no, it's a song called La Bamba oh, by Los Lola. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That song sucks. <laughs> I liked it when I was little. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Not uh, now. Therefore. <laughs> so, a couple things about this song. You're play La Bamba for your child. <laughs> so... Whatever. I lo- first off, I loved La Bamba as a little kid. I thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing song. It was one of the first songs I remember as a little kid. Um, I think it was in the soundtrack to a movie. I think that's it why. Was La, ba- La-, La Bamba. The La Bamba soundtrack, right? I suppose. <laughs> uh, La Bamba was actually recorded uh, before this by Richie Valens, uh, who died in the famous plane crash the day the music died uh, with uh, with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. Uh, the song was re-recorded by Los Lobos uh, and went to number one. It was like the only number one hit. Uh, for Los Lobos. But a lot of people didn't know that was a cover when it was a hit years later. And it got me thinking about it. So I pulled up a list of some classic songs uh, that you may or may not have known were cover songs. So I'm going to see if I can ruin some of your impressions about these songs, okay? Are you ready? All right. Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Not an original song, cover song. Originally sung by Dolly Parton. Yes, that's right, Mm -hmm. 1974. How about Salt and Pepper's What a Man? What a man, what a man. Yes, that's right. Linda Lindell, 1968. 
I actually listened to it. It was pretty good. How about the song Tainted Love by Soft Cell? You ever heard that song? Tainted yeah. Love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You for sure heard it. You just have to hear it. I heard it. No, 19. I, oh, that's I, what I, I thought. I, I thought you were saying I yes. I don't know. I was just thinking who else might have sang it, but I have no idea. This one made me kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Natalie Imbruglia, Torn. 1997. A cover. a cover song of a song from 1995. She covered a song from like two years earlier. Huh. It was a band called Edna Swap. And I feel uh, like Natalie and Brulia are highly underrated. If not just, I think that music video alone is the reason that I tend I, oh, I yeah. enjoyed short haircuts mm. sometimes as well as long haircuts. She was a babe in that she video. And that's was, a great song. She was, a model. she was like a huge supermodel. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Uh, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. It was actually yes. written by Jeff Beck. Uh, mm-hmm. They released two versions of it, and Jeff Beck was asked to release his version second. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, his version is not as good. It's no. not. It's just not. So I kind of get it, but uh, it did make me feel a little sad. Jeff Beck can play the hell of guitar, but he's not Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I've I've heard both versions, but I couldn't. I actually didn't know that, but I couldn't imagine hmm. anybody else. Um, here's another one for you. Girls just want to have fun. Cindy Lauper was actually written. She didn't originally make. Nope, originally by a guy, Robert Hazard, from 1979. So it changes the whole context of that song, I feel like, that it's sung by a man, right? Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, I'll give you one more. Uh, Dazed and Confused, Led Zeppelin. Not written by them. Written in 1967 by a Just guy Just like named... a lot of stuff off their first four albums. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I know. Led Zeppelin apparently is infamous uh, for being accused of stealing... Uh... I love Zeppelin, but, I mean, let's... You know, it's <laughs> okay. We can talk about it. (laughs) Uh, On this day in 1996, uh, Prince Charles and Prince Diane, uh, Diana got divorced after four years of separation. I feel like every now and then in America, every like decade or so, we get sort of wrapped up with some of the royals getting married. It becomes like a news story. Princess Diana was like the first time I ever heard. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was a big deal though. when they were married in 1981, again, this is before I was born, apparently, uh, one billion viewers in 74 countries watched uh, their marriage, which seems I feel like they had insane. less stuff to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, I there, feel like that's there a big wasn't, part of like, internet <laughs> real... There's two or... channels. The other channel's <laughs> commercials. Uh, yeah, so I think what's the most recent one? Is that Prince Henry and, uh, and, and Kate Middleton? No, Prince yes. Prince William. Oh, yeah. Oh, Prince yeah. One, of one of them. No. No, Prince... William and Kate Middleton. See, we would have known this in the 80s. This would have been, we would have known this off top of our head. But think about all the stuff we wouldn't have known. We would have watched (laughs) almost anything. Their live marriage would have taken off everything off television. Mm. Um, And I guess I'll have one more, I have one more uh, history lesson. Oh, you sound so reluctant. Oh, Oh, actually, you know what? I have two. I have two. I thought we were only doing three today. I know, I got one more. I'm sorry. I have to renegotiate uh, my contract after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> on this day in 2003, uh, Charles Bronson died at 81 years old. I don't know if you guys care about re- that. I loved Charles Bronson as a kid. Like, I liked the movie Death Witch a lot, which I know they're remaking. It's sort of a controversial movie, but I loved Death Witch when I was a kid. He was also in The Dirty Dozen. <laughs> he was also in uh, Great Escape. He was in Once Upon a Time in the West. He was in The Magnificent Seven. Uh, he had a nickname in Italy where he was acting as Il Bruto, a.k.a. The Ugly One, which is a great nickname. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, he did all four of the Death Wish movies from 82 to 94. I liked Charles Can we like those movies as, ki- as a kid? <laughs> because they were dope action movies. He hit, he shot a guy with a rocket launcher inside of a house. Like, it was in the building, and it blew the whole wall out. It was insane. Well, uh, add that to my cue. No. I'll add no, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have, no, no, I have one more serious one. I have one more serious one. And then on this date, uh, in sort of a weird 
uh, turn of events. And this date in 2005 was the date that Hurricane Katrina slammed into the Gulf Coast, making landfall in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, despite being only the third most powerful storm uh, in the 2005 hurricane season, it is considered the worst natural disaster in the history of the United States. Yes. Uh, estimated that um, over 150,000 people ignored the orders to get up and leave and stayed behind. So mm-hmm. that's kind of wild. Winds up to 145 miles per hour. It's just weird that it's like 12 years ago now. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it's... Why? I don't know. Maybe nature's cyclic. Maybe this is just... I feel, like, well, I feel like hurricane season is hurricane season every year. You know what I mean? No, I think just because it feels like it wasn't that long ago. So. I keep hearing this term. It's like a 1 in 500 hurricane, right? Like, they say like... And, it ha- but it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, like bad ones. Not little, like, category one, but... Well, also, serious. when you, you, know, you hear people say that, not to say that there's not a bunch of truth to mm. it, but, like, also these people are in the business of selling newspapers... Yeah. And once in a lifetime historic storm sells newspapers. Mm-hmm, for sure. Gets clicks, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um but yeah, there are, I mean there's a lot of storms. So there you go. Yeah. I don't great. know, that's all. Good. So that's it. It's all the history lessons uh we have for today. Let's move on to something a little lighter. Guys, I drink a lot of soda. You know that for a fact. Have you know for sure I drink a lot of soda? Quite a bit. Uh, and it wasn't too long ago that America had a love affair with so with uh, with soda for years since 1995. I want to say soda has been the number one most most consumed beverage in the United States. But finally, this year, it has been dethroned. We have another number one beverage in America. You guys want to guess what it is? Other than soda. Other than soda. Um. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. No, it's water. Water's back to number one, guys. Hey, water's back. Water's made its way back. back. Hey, water's back. I love water. I don't really like soda. Uh, soda. Americans now drink an average of 44 gallons of soda a year, a 17% drop from its peak in 1998. That's crazy. Uh, (laughs) Over the same amount of time, the average amount of water people uh, has increased from 38% to about 58, uh, sorry, 38% to about 58 gallons per year, which is where it's at now. Hell yeah. Uh, Bottled water has led to that growth with consumption nearly doubling to 21 uh, 21 gallons a year. So you'd think, you know, pretty good, pretty good week for water, right? Water's... No, <laughs> hey, no. Water's been water's been taking a lot of losses over the last thirty years. <laughs> well, here's a, water. well, here's a big loss for uh, for big bottled water. Uh, did you hear about this? Poland Springs is now in a lawsuit because it's been found out that not one single drop of Poland Springs spring water has come from a spring. Did you guys read about this? I always no, but I always wonder about that when I'm drinking any of that water. Like I always wonder about who the people are that think that mm-hmm. it is. Well, like, was this supposed to be a surprise to any of you folks? <laughs> Or you really thought it was coming from some magical no, river but at least I that even, people hadn't, like... I fell for it a little. No. <laughs> this is from the Washington Post this week. Heather, I don't mean to break your heart. Where do you think Fiji water comes from? It comes from the glacier up in the Fiji. In Fiji. The glaciers in Fiji. The glaciers in the small, subtropical island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Fiji. Cool. Uh, so here's the this is the Washington Post report. Uh, Poland Springs, the water, uh, the country's best-selling bottle of water is quote a complete fraud, according to a class action lawsuit. Uh, lawsuit filed last week in Connecticut alleges that instead of spring water, parent company Nestle Water North America has been selling billions of gallons of groundwater to its customers. Oh, uh, very dead seriously. Uh, the the Nestle Corporation is the devil. <laughs> Yo, word really. Like, have you I ever read that. about the Nestle? The Nestle oh, Corporation is. 
Uh, some of the stuff that they've done regarding some of the stuff that they've done regarding uh, baby formula in Africa and literally literally mm-hmm. starving children to mm. death as a business strategy. Mm-hmm. Read about Nestle sometime. You want to get sad oh, and, and a company that you buy a lot of. Product from. <laughs> I got three things to add to my queue today. Heather <laughs> adds things to her queue episode. Uh, so this is another. This is the rest of the quote. Um, no one, uh, not one drop of Poland spring water emanates from a water source that uh, water source that complies with the uh, Food and Drug Administration definition of quote spring water. Uh, the famous Poland Spring in Poland Spring, Maine, which defendants claim is the source of Poland Spring water, ran dry nearly fifty years ago. So <laughs> there you go. Um, bad day for Poland how Springs. How did it go on that long though before anyone would find out? I mean, <laughs> look at how long. <laughs> nobody asked questions. People are slave to the branding. Like, no, no, look, it's got a painting <laughs> of the river right on the label, so you know that it's all set. No. Uh, yeah. So up and down week for water. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, let's talk about Netflix for a minute and talk about, we've talked about advertising, we've talked about native advertising on this show before, but I've never heard of this form of advertising before. Uh, Netflix has developed marijuana strains based on its original shows. Uh, the streaming giant created the Netflix Collection, a collection of cannabis varieties based on shows including Orange is the New Black and Arrested Development. This is the wave of the future, right? Legal marijuana, uh, <laughs> based around shows that are coming out. This is like the ultimate dual branding, I feel like. It's I'm, smart. It yeah. is kind of smart, smart, right? You're talking about an industry that I feel like is going to continue moving upward in the future, right? Like, it's, it seems weird. The fact that I find this story to be unsettling and weird makes me feel like they're onto something. Is that, I mean, certainly, I, I, it would be hard for me to venture any kind of opinion because, as we all know, marijuana is illegal in New York State, so I don't true. really know anything about it. it but illegal. if I did, I would say <laughs> I think a lot of the reason that it's interesting is because this is the first time you've ever seen anybody tie in their branding with marijuana in a legal True. sense and to see it be a company as large as Netflix is a little bit jarring because it'd be like you know like Nike rolling out like you know some huge huge company you'd expect to see it with like smaller a little bit more uh, boutique independently owned businesses before you see yeah. Netflix just being like yep we've got Arrested Development weed call us up now mind you this is not something that everyone can just go buy uh, the set called the Netflix collection will be sold at uh, as part of a pop-up event at the Alternative Herbal Elf Services in uh, West Hollywood from this August Netflix trying to get back into that mail delivery game where they're sending envelopes to the yeah. house except this time instead of useless DVDs <laughs> Uh, some of the shows include Orange is the New Black. Um, there's also an Arrested Development one called uh, Banana Stand Kush. There's one for you. There's uh, one for that show Frankie and Grace, uh, Frankie and Grace, which is the old women who are friends. I, oh, I feel like I the crossover of people who are watching Grace and Frankie and the people who are smoking weed is not very. High. I don't. No, I don't. See I read that another. One. I read another wrinkle about Frankie and Grace with like that's like the Rhea Perlman and the other like old lady sitcom star. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that what brings them together is their husbands die and they start. I, did, I could be completely off base about this, but I'm pretty sure they're doing something with sex toys. Interesting. I think that's like a part of the show. They're either selling or involved and or some I sort of like tie together. By interesting, I mean gross. Yeah, I don't want to mm. see those two tie. Um, uh, now, okay. uh, I want to say one thing that uh, college me would have been very excited that there is a mystery science theater branded flavor of marijuana. Now I'm just going to throw that out there. It's called Moon. It's called marijuana. Yeah, it's called marijuana. <laughs> it's called all marijuana that's ever existed. The fact that you had to come up with a specific marijuana for mystery science theater. Is a little redundant. I think. From what I've heard. From what I've heard. Again, yeah. right, right. only what I've heard. Um, all right, so <laughs> let's move on to maybe the oddest story of the week. I felt like I should have stopped when I read this story. Um, Disney. <laughs> Disney is partnering with a company to produce 
Disney themed bionic arms for little for kids who've lost arms in accidents. There will be three different types to start: uh, a Star Wars themed bionic arm, a Frozen themed bionic arm, or an Iron Man Tony Stark themed bionic arm. Did you ever see that video a couple years ago where Robert Downey Jr. shows up as Tony Stark to give the armless kid his Iron Man arm? No, I didn't. Hooks him up with the prototype. It's on YouTube. Um, I just want to know how long it's going to take for like some ultra fan person to like chop off their own arm because they want like the Star Wars arm. Like just be doing some, oh, I put my arm in the wood chipper. I don't know. Uh, I guess I got to get that Darth Vader arm. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sold out. It's I'm going to throw out. this at you. Like a couple months ago, this is a real story my, my sister will laugh with. I shot my sister Kelly. My niece conned my sister because she wanted a pair of glasses even though she didn't need them so she lied to my sister and told her that she was having trouble seeing so that my sister would buy her glasses because she thought glasses were cool i feel like that's just one natural progression away from like i want iron man's arm mom i lost my arm <laughs> I like i feel like I don't <laughs> probably more than happening. one step <laughs> probably <laughs> more than one step i think it's a cute i think it's a cute yeah step. it's awesome it's uh, if it's something that makes these kids feel better about yeah. being right. like, different from their yeah. classmates and surprise surprise disney found a way to make money mm. which is <laughs> unprecedented uh again and this is a quote <laughs> from <laughs> this is a quote from the gentleman uh, at open no, he makes Every a good point. No. And like, this is like an easy thing to joke around about, obviously. But this is a quote from the guy at Open Biotics website who says, now kids can get excited about their prosthetics. They won't have to do like, uh, they won't just have to do boring physical therapy and feel like they're like someone different. They can actually mm-hmm. feel strong and powerful. And it is, I, I, it makes sense, right? It's amazing. Like, it's, yeah. it's a really good idea. Even though it, it struck me as an odd idea. It's like, I don't know. I think the more you think of it, like, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, with mm. the advances we're getting in, you know, robotics, you know, being able to put like these different prosthetics, you know, turning them into like straight bionic stuff like that mm-hmm. it's already going that way and I mean kids are susceptible to that kind of marketing you can't imagine how traumatic it's got to be for a kid to not have mm-hmm. an arm mm-hmm. or whatever so a way to not only make it tolerable but make it cool for them yeah. that's for amazing it. I'm glad yeah. we have the technology to do that Absolutely. for these kids that are already having much tougher time than I ever have mm. uh, so I was going to do either or's this week but I think I think we'll just close out with one because there's one really good one I wanted to ask you guys. We'll save the either or's for next week because I think we, we closed out good, but I, this is a good one. And I would really think about this and I still haven't totally come up with the answer. Uh, Kev, I'll start with you, uh, but we can sort of talk this one out together. <laughs> you have the choice. It's one or the other. You can never hear another song or never read another book. One or the other. What do you choose? I had a hard time with this one. Nope. No, not easy. for you. It's easy. Really? Yes. Heather, do you want to? Kevin seems very sure about himself. You can't hear another song like. Never hear another song. Or never read another book. I'm not a reader. So You're not a reader. I'm not a reader. Okay, so that's easy for you. This yeah. was tough for me. I'm kind of going. Kev, go. Books overboard instantly. Gone. Get them out of here. And I'll tell you why. I love a book. But all the things that I like about books, I can get. Number one, if I can hear a song, I can certainly hear a book on tape. Um, <laughs> on tape? Oh, <laughs> makes a good point. But you know what I mean. Like a no, book wrong. that they still call them no, books I on know. tape, even the digital. Thank you, Heather. You're right. um, but, but so, like, you can still have that, but you still have movies and you still have different ways to consume. If you talked about fully taking my ability to read, 
I think yeah, that is would that be harder. Sure, like yeah. your ability to read or like if I couldn't because you're saying I can never read a book again. Well, I can. Well, what can I read? Can I read an mm. article? Can I read a blog posting? Can I read? Yeah. So is it like a no short literature story? whatsoever? No literature. What if the pages are unbound and oh, it's not technically on. a book? Well, because you <laughs> get in true. there. What are the rules? That's important if you're going to make a decision. But mm. to cut off music and never be able to hear songs again, I, I love books, but I, I like songs more. Music I couldn't, at the end of the day, considering I don't listen to a lot of music these days, I kept trying to talk myself into the no music one, and I couldn't really. Like, no. I, for as much as I love to read and listen to podcasts and talk radio and all that kind of thing, and, like, I probably don't listen to as much music, even by a... I might listen to, like, 100% less music than I listened to, like, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I still... Feel like I could get by without the books and not the music if I had to. If I had music to. Music is like one. something that like helps like with emotion though, and like mm. when you're going through things and brings you off. I don't know. Books just it can't do that for me. Mm-hmm. No. I thought that was a good. I one. gotta disagree with that. They can't. Go ahead. Oh, uh, that's it. No, I thought that was a good one to end on. I thought that was a tough, good. Like tough, but fair. Like tough, but fair. Tough, but fair. Follow Heather on uh, on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or don't just follow the show at Uticast. We are also on Instagram, uh, Facebook, MadeInUtica.com, SoundCloud, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Zach Wilson from Mad Props and also Made in Utica. We will, uh, we're getting excited. Uh, Downtown Get Down coming up very soon, September 16th. Go online. Go to MadeInUtica.com. Get excited for it. Uh, that's it. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives <laughs> and get out of here. That's it. He's done. I'm Tyler, done. you can hit the space bar this time. If you ever yeah. wanted to stop, you just, just hit that oh, space bar. Right? Watch time. All it is, yeah. automatically. It'll, yeah, stop, it'll stop recording. Hit it right now. Go. Go.